you ever noticed in your life how easy it is to drift towards negativity? Here in North Carolina, it's uh, finally gotten cold this week. We finally experienced some colder temperatures, even though it's been fall for a while, it's still been warm. And we even had a few days where it was below freezing. And you know what I caught myself doing? Maybe you've caught yourself doing this as well. Even though a few weeks ago, I was complaining, man, it's too hot outside. Uh, now that it's gotten cold and it's been below freezing, I found myself, even if it's just in my head sometimes, starting to complain, it's too cold, right? We can drift towards negativity really easily. Uh, we don't take it for granted as much as we used to, but I, I was thinking about how when we go to a restaurant, um, so often we go to a restaurant and it's an incredible experience, right? They, they buy the food, they cook the food, they bring the food to you, they check and make sure that the food is okay and they even fix it if the food's not right. And then when it's all said and done, they clear the food and then they go and they wash the plates and, uh, and you don't have to do anything. It's an incredible experience. But you know what, so often we, we used to anyway, really take that for granted. And uh, it's so easy for us to complain about, you know, the, the food didn't come out quite quick enough or it wasn't quite right, right? We so often talk about negative experiences uh, at a restaurant and we forget about the overwhelming amount of times that it's a positive experience, right? We, we, we drive our cars, we push a button and a door opens and we can drive the car into a garage. It's incredible, right? It's incredible. If people would have seen us Years ago, we would look like the Jetsons, right? It's amazing, right? And yet we can complain about those cars, right? It doesn't get the gas mileage that I want or the, the heated seats don't get warm quick enough for us. Or um, we can look at a refrigerator full of food, food that we went to the grocery store and we bought on purpose. We can open the doors, look at all this food and say, man, there's nothing to eat. We can turn on a TV that's got thousands of channels. It's got live TV, it's got things on demand. There's just probably millions of options and we can say, man, there's nothing to watch. We can often walk into a, clothes, a closet full of clothes and say, man, I have nothing to wear even though there's a ton of stuff hanging there, right? We can be negative. We drift towards negativity. And here's the thing is by nature, this is something that's uncomfortable that I don't like about myself. Um, but I think it's probably true for, for most of us. Um, if it's not true of you, please don't let me know because then I'll feel even worse about myself. But by nature, I'm not a grateful person. By nature, I'm not a very grateful person. Uh, here's the thing that's uncomfortable is that I want more, I want better, and I want it now. <laughs> Maybe you're the same, right? I want it, I want more, what I have isn't enough, I want better, what I have isn't good enough, and I want it now, right? Waiting uh, takes too long, I want everything in now, right? We tend to not be very grateful people by default. Here's the thing is that negativity happens by default. I don't have to try to be negative. I hate that, but I don't have to try to be negative. I can just be negative without even thinking about it. But gratitude, having a heart of gratitude uh, being, having a heart of thanksgiving requires intention. It actually requires me to do something. And so here's the thing is, I want to encourage us, I believe that for us to live the overcoming life that we're intended to live. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that his purpose is that he came, that we would have life and have it to the fullest. Uh, if we're gonna live that kind of an overcoming life, we're going to have to adopt 
some new ways of thinking. In fact, in Romans 12, verse 2, uh, it reminds us there, it says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Right? That's Jesus' whole purpose and his whole plan is he wants to transform us into new people, into a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How does that happen? Well, the writer of Romans says that as he continues on, he says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Here's the thing is that I believe that God has a good and pleasing and perfect will for each one of us. But just like the writer of Romans is saying there, we can only step into that if we change the way that we think. You see, our default wiring, our default inclination is not going to help us to live the life that we are intended to live. And one of those things is this drift towards negativity. We can't live this overcoming life. We might go to heaven someday, but we don't get to live the overcoming life we were intended to live in this life if we don't allow ourselves to be transformed by changing the way that we think, allowing Jesus to change the way that we think about things. And so today we're going to talk about that in the, in the, uh, on the subject of gratitude, right? We should be obsessed with developing a heart of gratitude. We should be able to say, I'm going to choose gratitude, right? My natural trajectory, my natural draw is towards negativity. It's so easy to find the one cloud on a sunny day, and yet I'm going to choose gratitude. The tragedy is, is that most of us don't. So often we just live at default and we live at less of a level. We don't live the life that God truly intended us to live. I love there's a there's a wonderful example, uh, a a story that is recorded in Luke chapter 17. Luke, the physician, as he's writing about Jesus's life, as he's experiencing life with Jesus and he's writing down what he experienced um, as Jesus went around and did his ministry he writes, he writes about this story in Luke chapter 17. Um, and this is what he says, starting in verse 11. He says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Right, so Jesus is traveling, he's going to Jerusalem, and he's walking between Samaria and Galilee, and these 10 guys who have leprosy come out and they're yelling at Jesus. Now, leprosy uh, is kind of a classification of, um, of probably what was a number of different skin ailments that people had. It was all called leprosy um, in, in that day. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't have all the distinctions that we have today, but these were skin conditions that were um, believed to be, and in some cases probably were transferable to other people. And so uh, actually in the book of Leviticus, it talks a bunch about this. It tells them that they should wear, people who have leprosy are supposed to wear torn clothes. They're supposed to cover their face. They're supposed to let people know that I am unclean. Don't come near me. Don't touch me. um, Or you too might get this disease that I have. Uh, And this disease often ate away flesh. It had oozing sores. Um, They would wake up and and they might have uh, they might have rats around them or 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 uh, insects. It was it was gross. Right. And oftentimes, oftentimes these people would live in communities with other people 
because they were excommunicated from the culture around them. And um, for many of them, it had been years since they had physical contact with people to been, been hugged or been touched, right? These people, I'm sure, had psychological damage from this experience. They had emotional wounds from this damage. They had physical ailments, right? And so these, these guys are coming out and they see Jesus coming and they yell to Jesus, have pity on us. They've apparently heard about Jesus being able to heal people, being able to speak words or to touch and, and, and people being healed and they want that too. And so they're calling out to Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, we've heard, we've heard what you're able to do for other people. Would you do that for me? And so they call out to, the, to Jesus and Luke says, this is what happens in, in verse 14. He says, when Jesus saw them, right? Jesus sees them, he hears them yelling and he looks at them. He says, he, he says to them, um, go show yourself to the priest. And then they went and when they went, they were clean. They were cleansed. One of these guys, uh, when he saw that he was healed, he came back and he praised God in a loud voice, right? So they all went to the priest. And when they went to the priest, the priest said, you don't have leprosy anymore. You've been healed, right? And, and this man realized, oh my gosh, Jesus has healed me. So this man comes back and he worships God. He thanks Jesus. He says, Jesus, thank you so much. I believed that you could heal me and you did it. He expresses gratitude for what's happened, right? Um, one of them did that. Uh, he says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, right? This is important, right, for the people who are reading this because uh, many of the people that were reading Luke's account were people who were of the Jewish faith, who, who, who lived in, uh, in Jerusalem. Um, and he's saying this person is a Samaritan and Samaritans were people who were considered to be outcasts as a, as a group at large. So this person, he's saying, was an outcast by his, by his birth, and then he was an outcast by the disease that he had. And so this man came and said, thank you. This man came and threw himself and said, thank you, God, for healing me, right? But then it continues on. Jesus asked the man this question. He says, weren't there 10 of you who were cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Right, so Jesus is asking a question. He says, where are the other nine people? All of you guys yelled at me. All of you guys said, Jesus, please heal me. All of you guys were in the exact same position and all of you guys got the exact same result. You received this healing. Where are the other people? Where are the other nine? They received their healing, but where's the gratitude? Where's the thanksgiving, right? Why are they not here doing the same thing? And Jesus asked this question because Jesus Jesus, Jesus wants all of us, right? All of us to have this heart of gratitude. And Jesus is pointing out, man, these other nine people, they should be here. These other nine men should be here worshiping and giving thanks and expressing gratitude as well. See, as I was saying earlier, we can't live the life that Jesus intends us to live if we don't learn, if we don't develop, if we don't allow him to transform us into being people of gratitude. And so today, I just want to, as we continue to look at scripture, share three statements that will help you to choose gratitude. I'd love to invite you to write these down. Um, I, these are things that are wonderful to reflect upon. Maybe if you've got a quiet time in the morning this week or you spend some time at some point 
uh, every day, maybe reading scripture. It's good to reflect on these things if we want to be people who develop hearts of gratitude. Remember, we said our default inclination, our, our, the magnetic pull is towards negativity, but if we want to break free of that, we're going to have to be intentional about it. We're going to be, have to allow Jesus to transform us. And so today, there's three statements that will help us to choose gratitude. The first statement is this. Uh, this is a statement that you can write down. It's, I know that every good thing that I have comes from God. I know that every good thing that I have comes from God. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, writes in James chapter 1, verse 17, he says exactly that. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good thing that I have in my life is a gift from God. That's kind of a fundamental Christian teaching, a fundamental Christian belief. We believe that everything good that we have is a gift from God. Anything good that we have comes from God. And you know, often the pushback is, well, you know what? I worked hard for what I have. You know, I didn't, I didn't just, I wasn't just given the things that I have. I, I had to pull myself up and I had to work really hard. You know, and, and, and to that, I, I think that's good and I think that's important, but it's also important for us to remember in that. It's important for us to always remind ourselves that that ability to work hard, that wisdom, that drive, that all of those things are gifts from God in and of themselves. So even the ability to work hard, Right? Even the ability to, to get that job, even the ability to go to college, even that ability to land that job that you weren't qualified for in the first place, all of those things are a gift from God. Who gave you those abilities? Well, God gave you those abilities. And so even in those things, even when we work really hard for something, we have to acknowledge that God, this is a gift from you because if I had to, I can't do anything on my own. God is the giver of good things. Now, I was thinking as we read through scripture, we see this time and time again. God gave Noah a plan to build an ark. He gave him the ability to build it. He gave him the wisdom to build it. He provided the resources to build it. And then, and then because of that, Noah was able to save his family. God gave the Israelites bread from heaven every morning as they wandered in the wilderness and fire by night. God gave David a stone to kill the Goliath. He gave Jonah a fish to swallow him and to spit him out safely on shore. God gave Mary, uh, Jesus's mother, he gave her the ability to obey and to give birth to Jesus. That was actually so difficult, but she, had the, she was able to walk through that and receive that blessing. God gave the wise men a star to lead them. God gave the world gave all of us the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God. He gave us a Savior. And you know, the truth is, is no matter who you are, no matter where you are in life today, God gives us gifts. God, if we will receive it, gives us a peace that surpasses understanding. God can give us a peace that doesn't even necessarily match our circumstances. One of the marks of a, of a Christian is that we can face difficult times with a peace because we know that we're in God's hand, because we, that we know that God is with us, right? Even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we know that God is there with us, and so we can have a peace that surpasses understanding. He gives us the Holy Spirit to convict us, to strengthen us, and to encourage us. He gives us his word to guide us, right? He, if he's given us health, right? If I'm healthy today and I've got breath in my lungs, that is a gift from God, if I have friends today, 
if I have friends that, that love me, God's given you friends to love you. He's given you a life to enjoy. Every good gift is a gift from God. I think it's so important for us to remember that God is completely good. God is completely good. God will never not be good. God is constantly good. He will never be less than good. God is unchangeably good. Everything that God does is good, right? So I think it's important for us to remember that every good thing that we have is a gift from God. Every good thing that we have comes from God. The second statement that helps us to develop this attitude of gratitude is that I will not let what I want rob me from what I have. I don't want to let what I want rob me from what I have. And so, so often this happens in life, right? We become dissatisfied with what we have because we want something else, right? And what do we want? We want something better. We want something bigger. We want something faster. We want something quicker. We want, right? We want something else. In Ecclesiastes 6, 9, Solomon writes this. He says, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. What, what's Solomon saying there? What do those words mean? He's saying, better to be content with what I have than to allow myself to be caught up with the dissatisfaction that comes with wanting things that I don't have, right? Gratitude, gratitude has, does an amazing thing. Gratitude turns what I have into enough, right? So often we can think that happy people are grateful are 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 uh, are able to be grateful because they're happy but no happy people uh it's not happy people who are grateful it's grateful people who are happy think about this right if we have three meals a day if we have a job if we have a bed and clothes to wear uh, if we have a car to drive or a bus to ride if we have the ability to worship freely if we have health and friends we have so many blessings. You know, a few years ago, I had an incredible opportunity. I was invited to speak to a group of pastors um, from all around South America in Peru. And so I, uh, I got on an airplane and I flew uh, from Washington, D.C. down to Lima, Peru. And it was a long flight. Um, and, uh, and it was actually the longest flight I had ever been on. It was like a 10 hour flight. And, um, it was, it, it was an economy seat. It was not necessarily the most comfortable thing. And it was a long flight. And by the time I got there, I was really tired. Uh, and I was sore from sitting in that seat, but you know, an incredible thing happened. I, I went to the conference that I was speaking at. And, I, and first off, I, I flew on an airplane. I got picked up by somebody in a car who drove me to a nice house where I was staying. And then they drove me from the house to the church where the conference was happening at. And they fed me food and they took care of me. And I showed up at this conference. And at this conference, the first person that I met was a man who was a pastor uh, in Cusco, Peru. And he had traveled there. He traveled 25 hours in a bus to get to that conference. He was from this little church that was made out of mud and did not have electricity. And he had traveled to this conference and he was there and he was going to hear me speak. <laughs> he had gone through so much just to get there. And I felt about this big for feeling upset about my jet lag 
or for about uh, the uncomfortable seat that I sat in. This may have had so much less than what I had, but he was so grateful. You know, for him, as he was telling me his story through an interpreter, uh, and in fact, he actually spoke pretty good English. I needed an interpreter to understand the Spanish, but he actually spoke pretty good English as well. But as he was speaking, the, the words that he didn't know the English word for, the translator would translate, he, he was expressing to me his love for Christ. And you know, for him, for him, he had this heart of gratitude and he was grateful for the things that he had. And for him, you know what? Christ was enough. He was just so happy to know Jesus. He was just so happy that he got to tell other people about Jesus. He was so grateful and it challenged, it challenged me. You see, here's the thing is that gratitude turns what we have into enough, right? If I'm not, if, if, if I'm not happy, um, I, can, I, I can often, um, that often comes because I'm not grateful for the things that I have. Philippians 4, uh, 11 through 13 uh, Paul says this. He says, I have learned to be content with whatever my circumstances are. And that's an incredible thing for Paul to say, because Paul spent uh, many nights in a jail cell. Paul was arrested many times, not for doing anything bad, but simply for telling other people about the good news of Jesus. Paul was chased out of town. Uh, people were plotting to kill Paul. Paul ultimately was crucified for his faith. Paul experienced some things, right? But what does Paul say? He says, I'm, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And he, tell, he says this, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I also know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. <laughs> this is incredible, right? Paul says, I, I know the secret. Well, I wanna know what the secret is. Paul, tell me what the secret is. He says, he says here's the secret whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want, here's the secret, he shares it here. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? What, what, what is the secret? What is the secret? The, the, the secret is, is he reminds himself, he remembers that he's got this incredible gift. He has Christ with him in every circumstance. He knows that wherever he goes, he's not alone. Christ is there with him and allows him to express gratitude. You know, the unfortunate thing is that unexpressed gratitude, when we fail to express gratitude in the moment, it often shows up later in life as regret. When we don't express gratitude in the moment, it often shows up later in life as regret. It often shows up later in life as we look back and we realize that we did not appreciate the good things that we had when we had them. We didn't appreciate the people that we had when we had them. We didn't appreciate the help that we had when we had it. We didn't appreciate the resources that we had when we had them. And it can show up as regret later on in life if we don't express gratitude in the moment. And so that leads us to the third th phrase, the third thing that we need to, the third viewpoint that we need to adopt, the way of thinking that we need to adopt, and that's this, is that I will turn every blessing into praise. I will turn every bless, ble, blessing into praise. I, it's so important that we develop that mindset because here's the truth, is that every blessing I don't turn back into praise turns into pride. If I don't praise God for the things that I'm given, 
I can subtly and sometimes not so subtly start to believe that I have good things because I've done good things. We can start to believe that everything that we have is because we are so good, we are so smart, we are so capable, we are so, right? And it can turn into pride. The other thing that happens is when bad things happen, we can assume it's because we're bad people and we've done bad things and we, right? So there's the other side of the coin that can be equally bad, but when we don't turn things into praise, they can turn into pride. In Psalm 63, four, we read this, uh, the Psalm writer David here, he says, I will praise you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the riches of food. With my singing lips, I will praise you. Right, we can, we, 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 we turn our situations, we turn every blessing, right? We have to acknowledge our blessings. And God, thank you for what you've given me. I'm going to acknowledge that this is a gift from you. I'm going to turn it into praise, right? We're gonna turn it into praise. Uh, we have so many opportunities to do this, right? We can, when we, when we feel that negativity bubbling up, right? I'm tired of my car. Now I can choose to say, you know, thank you that I have a car, right? When we think, oh, my house is too small. I need something better, right? We, God, thank you that I've got a roof over my head. Uh, thank you that I have air conditioning. Man, my grandmother grew up in a house and lived her whole life in a house that didn't have air conditioning. Man, it's amazing. I've got a house that has air conditioning, right? When we say, oh man, my, my house is always a mess. It's always chaotic, right? No, God, thank you that I've got kids. Wow, thank you. I prayed for them. You blessed me with kids. Man, thank you for that. God, I'm grateful, right? When, we're un when, we, when we are upset and we feel dissatisfied with our job, it's a wonderful opportunity to pause and say, God, thank you that you gave me this job. Lord, thank you that I have the ability to, to, uh, to, to, to get income. Lord, open a door for me for a better job, but while I'm in this job, thank you for the one that I have, right? We can be upset that we're so busy, right? We're so busy, we got so much going on, uh, but we can, man, thank you that I have things to do. Wow, thank you that I've got a social calendar. Lord, thank you that I've got people that care about me. Lord, thank you that I have the health and the ability to be so busy, right? We, we, can, be, we can turn those things into praise. Psalm 10, verses two through five says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all of my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with his love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Here's the thing is that no matter what your life looks like right now, God has filled your life with good things. There are good things in your life that God's blessed you with. You know, it's so easy, especially in a year like 2020. Man, this year, uh, it's so easy for us to be discouraged about the situations, about what life looks like, about the things that we don't have, about how we wish things would go differently. Man, I've got a long list of things like that. But yet in the midst of that, there is so much for us to be grateful for. There is so much for us to pause and for us to worship God in the midst of. So here's, here's these three phrases again, these attitudes for us to adopt. God, I know that every good thing I have comes from you. 
Secondly, I know I will not let what I want rob me from what I have. God, there's some things that I want, but Lord, thank you for what I have. And then thirdly, this attitude that says, God, I want to turn every blessing into praise. Lord, you've given me so much. I don't want to live with regret later. I want to turn it into praise now. God, thank you for what you've given me. I'd love to invite you in this moment right now to just bow your heads. Let's spend a moment in prayer. And as we as we come before God, as we pause here for a moment, I would love to encourage you to Maybe think of some things in your own life where you are grateful for something and maybe you haven't expressed gratitude for that. Maybe you haven't paused and thought, you know what, God, so many people are sick right now. Lord, there's record numbers of people in the hospital and Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we thank you for those medical professionals who are taking care of them. And Lord, I thank you for my own health. Well, that's a gift from you. Lord, I know we can't be with family like we were planning on it. But Lord, I'm thank you, thankful for the family that we have or for the relationships that we have. Lord, I, I know that we want other things. There's so many things that we want, so many things we want to change. But Lord, thank you for what we do have. Lord, we want to turn every gift that you've given us into gratitude, into praise. Lord, you've done so many good things for us. Lord, especially the gift of Jesus. So Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, we today give you praise. We today give you honor. We today give you glory. Lord, because you deserve it. We pray these things in 